Okay, well, let's, uh, let's take our Bibles now and go to 1 Samuel chapter 30. First um, Samuel chapter number 30. Is it saying in honor of God's Word? How about we do just a little bit of reading before we get to our text? Uh, if you would, since you're in that vicinity, go to chapter 27. Let's just, let's just start there. I think that'll help our, the context of things and trying to get what's going on here. So 1 Samuel 27, we'll do just a little bit of reading uh, there. Uh, so we got tonight and we'll cover chapter 30. I, I really just kind of planned on the first six verses, but I believe that we'll be able to take in the whole chapter and, and not necessarily that we'll read it all, but I think we'll be able to cover it. And then next Sunday night um, on the battle at Gilboa with Saul and um, Jonathan and the men and how that Saul and Jonathan uh, died in that battle. And we'll finish First uh, Samuel um, chapter, First uh, Samuel after, well, that'll be 50 messages. That's just about right, right? Um, and then we'll, God willing, start right into Second Samuel. Why not just keep going, right? All in favor, good heart, amen? amen? Amen. Any opposed? None opposed. Great. Wonderful. That's great. Okay. First Samuel chapter 27, verse number one, it says here in God's word, and David said in his heart, David said in his heart, I shall now perish one day by the hand of Saul. There's nothing better for me than that I should speedily escape into the land of the Philistines. And Saul shall despair of me to seek me any more in any coast of Israel, so I shall escape out of his hand. So David said in his heart, remember, there's a danger in listening to yourself. And so he said in his heart, you know, there's nothing better. There's no better plan for me than to go down to the land of the Philistines. And so then uh, just kind of you, you gaze, if you just kind of look down over the verses there, verses two and three says how he went down there. Verse number, uh, verse number six, uh, he, five and six, he's meeting Achish. Last time he, act, he met Achish, he had to act like a madman to get free. Remember that? And you'd think that David learned his lesson, but I have thought that I would have learned a few lessons along the way and uh, still had to learn the hard way. I'm sure you have had times like that too, but I want you to see in verse six of chapter 27, that says that then Achish gave him, gave David Ziklag that day. And uh, then you'll see that verse eight, I'm sorry, verse seven, the time, watch this now, the time that David dwelt in the country of the Philistines was a full year and four months. How many think he, he planned on staying that long? I don't, I don't think so. I think he just thought, you know, I'll just be there a little while. But you know, sin and being out of God's will has a way of keeping you a lot longer than you thought you'd spend there, for sure. Now, verse 8 says he invaded uh, the Gershurites and the Gezrites and, and the Amalekites. You see it? In fact, verse 9 tells us that David obliterated them, acted really contrary to what God would want him to do. Um, in fact, he's acting a lot like the roaming bands of raiders that were outside of God's will. Because when you get out of God's will, you start acting like people that are out of God's will. We're talking about David. This kind of hurts to talk about David this way, doesn't it? I love David, don't you? David's a good, godly man in many, many regards. He's a man after God's own heart. That's what God said. Chapter 28 is about Saul. And um, I'll reference that in just a minute. Chapter 29 is back about David and how that um, he's in with the Philistines in formation, forming up with the Philistines and ready to go against his own people, Israel. And verse number three, the Philistine 
leaders, the brass of Philistia says, what do these Hebrews here? What in the world are they doing here? They don't belong here. Hey, you know what? The world knows that the believer doesn't belong in the world, acting like the world. The world knows that for sure. Okay, now chapter 30. How are we doing? Everybody still with me? I didn't see anybody leave. It's good. All right. Chapter 30, verse 1. And it came to pass when David and his men were come to Ziklag on, um, on the third day. So it took them three days to get back down there. That the Amalekites, remember them? The Amalekites had invaded the south and Ziklag and smitten Ziklag and burned it with fire and had taken the women captives that were therein. They slew not any, either great or small. Now that's by the grace of God that they didn't do that, but carried them away captive and went on their way. To be honest with you though, I'm not sure that being captive of these type of individuals would be much better. Do you follow what I'm saying in terms of the abuse and, and maybe even being sold into slave trade? I mean, just wicked things went on back then, just like things go on now. Verse three, so David and his men came to the city and behold, it was burned with fire and their wives and their sons and their daughters were taken captives. Then David and the people that were with him lifted up their voice and wept. Notice this, please, dear church tonight, look at this. They wept until they could until they had no more power to weep. You ever been there? Till you had no more power to weep. And David's two wives were taken captives, Ahinoam, the Jezreelitess, and Abigail, the wife of Nabal, the Carmelite. And verse number six says, And David was greatly distressed, for the people spake of stoning him, his own men spake of stoning him because the soul of the people was grieved, every man for his sons and for his daughters. But how about the last part of verse six? But David encouraged himself in the Lord. Well, I'm glad it reads that way. Maybe you have... Um, gotten a bad spot in your Christian life. If you haven't, you probably will at some time. So tonight, um, here's the title of the message. I'm praying that God will use it in a, in a special way as always. When your plans go up in smoke. When your plans, when your plans go up in smoke. I don't, I'm glad I don't have to title it this, when God's plans go up in smoke. <laughs> He's never had a plan go up in smoke. But you've had some and I've had some. Uh, so what do you do when your plans go up in smoke? May God bless the reading of His Word. Thank you for standing for a good little bit there. <clears throat> Let's get into it here tonight. Consider this. We use that terminology, don't we, up in smoke in a lot of different contexts. But mainly I think we understand that it basically means this, that uh, when something goes up in smoke, that means it's a complete loss, right? I mean, it's just, there, there's no, no recovery from it. There's um, little to no hope of it going on or, or bouncing back. I mean, it's just, it goes up in smoke. It's gone up in smoke. How many of you have used that terminology along the way? Just, okay, yeah, I, I, you've either heard it or you've used it, man, it went up in smoke. Well, 
I believe it's safe to say right here, and even just from her casual reading, and, and in fact, I did so much preaching during the Bible reading that we, this may be a short sermon, but, um, but maybe not. But uh, David, David, I think you'd agree with this. David's at an all-time low right here. Isn't that right? I mean, really. I mean, we've seen him at some low spots, some low places. We've seen him at some really dark places. Uh, David was at a dark place when he was in Philistia the last time, as I referenced, about Gath and, and about Achish and so forth. And, and uh, my soul, I mean, he had to scratch. If you remember that, he scratched on the door. He was running from Saul. By the way, he's been running from Saul a long time. And when you've been doing something a long time and life is just kind of beating down on you, it has a way of kind of wearing at you. So I, I don't want to be too hard on David here because, by the way, we're all made of the same stuff. And any, any sin that any sinner has committed, Bob Jones uh, Sr., I believe, said, any sin that any sinner has committed, committed, any sinner under proper provocation could commit. In other words, he just simply said this, hey, every one of us, every one of us could get out of church. Every one of us could, could get into sin. Every one of us could even give into uh, drinking or thoughts of suicide or, or thoughts of uh, fornication or adult. Hey, every one of us, no, we're all made of the same stuff, dear friend. And, and David right here, our great hero in many ways, has been under a lot of duress for a long time. In fact, he finally came to a place where he said, you know what? I don't think there'd be anything better for me than just to go back down to the land of the Philistines because I know Saul, he won't go down there and I'll be safe from that. Maybe he'll just give up this whole idea about chasing me down. And he's forgetting the whole, he's forgetting the whole thing that he's been anointed. You see, back in chapter 16, uh, for those that might be new to the series here, back in chapter 16, David, David was anointed to be the king of Israel. Saul was currently the king of Israel. In fact, I really need to do diligent work tonight. I, I need to be sure to do this to show and to demonstrate that we really do have a contrast between these two kings. One a current king, one a future king. But, but I didn't really put together, to be honest with you, and just, you know, casual Bible reading, that about the time that David got back down to Ziklag was about the time, if not identically the time, that King Saul was at the witch of Endor's home. Both needing to hear from God. Both at a place of great desperation. Both having, both having messed up. Both having messed up. But one is a picture of God's judgment. Saul, there would be no recovery. He would die at Mount Gilboa. The other is an example of God's chastening. One to judge him, to bring to bring his kingdom to an end officially. Now, now, we've seen this, that God would have been merciful to Saul as well along the way, and he was merciful to Saul. And he gave Saul space to repent. And yet, what a contrast between these two men that one was not repentant, the other, the other, though it took a year and a quarter or a year and four months, wasn't it? He did come to a place of repentance. Which are you? Listen to me here tonight. Which are you? Which are you? I, I just, uh, I had a little bit of a sobering um, experience here just, just recently. And, and um, I, I want to be careful how I say this because this could be said of, uh, of the Bible college that I went to. It could be said of every Bible college. It could be said of any church directory. I could have done the same thing with our church directory, but I just happened to be doing it just kind of looking through the yearbook. And I'm glad to tell you, Looking through the yearbooks of Heartland Baptist Bible College, uh, I mean, a, a lot has changed. 
in terms of the way people look. <laughs> and that's, <laughs> that was enjoyable. And uh, anyways, when I first came here, I had hair and a mustache. So, I mean, that was, that is something to be remembered. Okay. And so I was glad on one hand, I was greatly encouraged that I saw, I saw people, some that I could point out in this auditorium here tonight, but I could see people like a Nate and Katie Britt that are serving God. And uh, I, I mean, I could give you a big old list of, of graduates that are faithfully Adam Rivera. I mean, maybe I shouldn't get started because I won't end. <laughs> there's a big old list of them that are doing great, but I also have to tell you there's a bunch of them not doing well. Some divorced, some out of church. And when they come up here to this platform, I guarantee you none of them come here to this platform with the idea someday I hope to be divorced. Are you following what I'm saying? When they we're getting ready to have Welcome Heartland Sunday on, on the third Sunday of August, not one of them come up here with the idea, I want to stand up here and say my name and where I'm from. And in about 10 years, I'll be out of church. Not one of them had that plan. I don't believe it. I don't believe one of them had that plan. And yet it grieved my heart to see that some of them aren't in church or not serving God. Some of them are, are passed away. Not because of God's timing and choices, but I mean even some circumstances where some even took their own life. Dear friend, listen, sin's real. And the flesh that we battle with every day, it doesn't let up and Satan doesn't let up and the world is not going to accommodate a Christian that's really wanting to serve God. And listen, I'm just simply saying to you, 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 don't, you and I should not live in a place where we think, oh yeah, I'll be all right. I won't be like one of those casualties. I wonder if David ever thought that. I wonder if David ever thought, yeah, there'll be a time when I'm scratching on the wall and on the door and I'm foaming at the mouth trying to save my life. I wonder if he ever thought there'd be a time when, when they form up and he was forming up shoulder to shoulder with the Philistines. I don't think he ever dreamed that he would be in that place. But somehow, dear friend, he got there. He got there. And you could be exactly the same way if you don't take good heed to your life and the direction of your life. It's just making sense. So here we have our, our hero, our, our friend David, uh, that, that really is a sweet psalmist of Israel. And he's, he's in the formation of the Philistines and he's there by his own making. We saw it, how that in chapter 27, it said that, that, uh, that David said, there's nothing better for me than just to go down to the land of the Philistines. Can I, can I say to you tonight, and I hope a lot of this message is even preventative. I'm praying for our young people going to camp that God would get a hold of your heart in such a way that he'd spare you a whole lot of regret. You're free to make your choices, but you're not free to choose the consequences of those choices. Did you realize, and I know I've mentioned it before, but maybe it'd be good to be reminded tonight that God's name is not even mentioned in chapter 27. The name Jehovah, the name of the Lord, the name God is not even on the lips of David in chapter 27. That right there ought to tell you something. He made this decision without God. And we know the routine, we know it here, but I wonder if we know it here, that when I make decisions without God, I can't expect the consequences to go great. God's name's not even mentioned in chapter 27. Uh, and, uh, and, and then it's not even mentioned in chapter number 28, 
If it is mentioned in 27, let me correct myself, it's mentioned by Achish, but of all people, that's a Philistine. There's a place where Achish mentions it, but David does not. It's certainly not on the lips of, of David there, but it's obvious that he was clearly out of the will of God. And, and so here he's working for Achish. He's, he's fighting those battles and, and he tells Achish, listen to this. I know I'm reminding us about a few things here tonight, but I want to make sure everybody's getting this, that David... David was fighting against the Amalekites and some of the other, basically the Canaanites that were left over in the land. But he was telling Achish, he was telling him that he was fighting against the people of Israel, those that were in Judah. He had to lie. When you get out of God's will, you got to lie to cover your tracks. He's living a double life. He received Ziklag. He's there a year and four months. He had invaded the Amalekites, Amalekites, I'm sorry. He had invaded their territory and, and wiped out a good portion of them. The Amalekites were spread out all over the country. And so now watch what happens. The Amalekites know that David is up north about a three-day journey, about 60 miles to the north, and that he's with the Philistines. And so he took, David took every soldier they had, 600 soldiers, and he left women and children behind, vulnerable to whatever attack might be there. David did. Now, I'm, I'm, I'm not a military, I'm not, I haven't been through military, but right there, you can, just, you can just know you shouldn't leave base camp without somebody. And yet he did. Being out of God's will puts you in a dangerous place of compromise. Here he is at a place now where Achish says, listen, we're going up north. We're going to fight in the Jezreel Valley and we want you to go with us. And here is David fighting alongside of God's enemies. You know, the book of James says, you adulterers and adulteresses, know ye not that the friendship of this world is enmity with God? You know, as we, even as believers, the choices that we make in, in, in life and in friendships and entertainment and, and, um, and just our overall way of life can, can align us with the world and we're working against God. Can I remind you tonight even that, that here is, is the Philistine lords and they're preparing for battle to take over Jezreel, that very strategic place there, which is basically where the battle of Armageddon is going to be fought. So many battles have been fought right there in that valley of Jezreel. And, and I mean, it's on there and whoever controls that controls the land. Can I remind you tonight that Satan wants to get into your family? Can I remind you tonight that Satan wants to get into this church and disrupt this church and gain control? Are you listening tonight? That Satan wants to get into your life and disrupt your Christian life? No, he can't cause you to lose your soul, but he sure can if you follow the, the ways of the evil one and, and the ways of the world and you listen to your own flesh and you let your flesh do whatever your flesh wants to do, then you'll get out of fellowship with God and you won't be in a place where you can really make a difference in, in the lives of even other people. It just kind of struck me that, that at a time when, when Saul could have used David's help, David wasn't at a place where he could help, help Saul. There are Sunday school classes that need help. There are people that need to be discipled. There are people that need counsel. And you may not feel competent to counsel, but let me ask you this tonight. Do you know God and has he done something in your life? Then you're competent to counsel. You can be used of God, but you can't be used of God if you're living for yourself. Somebody needs you to wake up in your Christian life. 
they need you to, 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 get, to get back with God. And, and so at a time when Saul could have used David's help, I realized Saul didn't want David's help. I realized, listen, I realized that Saul wasn't in the right place spiritually. And we might even say Saul doesn't even deserve it, but we're not here to, to judge that. Here's what we are here to discern and to think about. David was at a place where he could have been a help, but he wasn't because he wasn't where he needed to be spiritually. I just want to ask you tonight, are you where you need to be spiritually so you can be the help that you need to be? It was not David's intent to fight against Saul. I, I don't think that, that David had in his mind for one second that he was going to actually fight Israel. I, I think he was sincerely at a place where he did not know what to do. And he had to acknowledge the fact it was his own choices that put him in that spot. If we try to run, they're going to kill us. If we say that we're for Israel, they're going to wipe us out. Are you seeing the predicament that he's in? What would he do? What would you do? Well, David acted like he was disappointed that he couldn't fight with the Philistines. Now, that, that, that is... That is my speculation there, maybe to some extent, I'm not sure, but, but he went along with it. But I do know this, that once you get out of God's will, you get pretty good at acting. He'd acted like he was crazy a minute ago. Now he's acting like he's disappointed. Hey, look, when you get out of God's will and you get out of sorts of God, you can act like you're all kinds of things. Boy, I know it's quiet tonight, but I think we need this type of stuff right here. I'm just going to keep preaching if y'all stay with it. Yep. Achish, Achish didn't argue with David. He said, I know that you have been faithful and loyal and, and, and all these things, but, but the Lord of the Philistines, they don't want you here. And so David and his men made a 60-mile journey back down south. I wonder, uh, I wonder what it was that made David join that wrong side. You know what he thought? He thought he had more to gain than he had to lose when he went over to that side. That's the only reason I can figure it. I've, there's nothing better for me than just to go down the lane of the Philistines. He thought, oh, listen to this right here. He thought that he had something to gain out of God's will. I want to tell you tonight, it doesn't matter how good it looks. I don't know. I don't, it doesn't matter how easy it seems. You've got nothing to gain out of God's will. David had nothing to gain. And as we saw here tonight now, we saw this very plainly. He had everything to lose out of God's will. And I hope that that statement right there is preventative in your life. I hope that you'd really stop and think, do I really want to go down that road without God? Do I really want to make my plans without God? Some of you are at that place, you're at a critical juncture, a uh, crossroads in your life here tonight. And it may be that you're about to make some of those, those decisions. And you got to really think about this. Would you just stop and look at the example after example in the Word of God and also in the, in, in the church directories and in the yearbooks and on and on and throughout life? Look, the people that tried to seek God, they're serving. God. The people that stopped seeking God, they got off track and their life shows the results of it. This is not really that complicated. You know, we make the Christian life a lot more complicated than it really is. It's actually quite simple. Trust God and do what God says and God will take care of you. It's really that simple. You say, I'm looking for something deeper than that. No, you can't look for something deeper than who God is and what he'll do in your life. You just can't. There's no, there's no one deeper than God. There's nothing deeper, nothing more satisfying, gratifying, helpful in life than doing what God wants you to do, dear friend. Please listen to that. Please. It may be that 
Some of you are at that place just like David is. You've made your own plans. You've made your own decisions. You're in that relationship. You know you shouldn't be. You're, you're in that job maybe and you know you shouldn't be. I, I can't speculate about everybody's situation here tonight. I, I can't speak to everything, but I, I'd say probably some here tonight would testify, yes, I've been on my own journey before. I've made my own plans and it didn't turn out well. Isn't that right? Maybe someone here tonight, you got Ziklag, you, you're, you've made your own plans, you're, you're doing your thing. But God is so gracious that He may cause the bottom just to fall completely out. I, I'm not saying that spitefully. I, I'm not saying that with joy, except in this. You ought to find joy as the hand of God's chastening because it means you're one of His own. And if you're experiencing the chastening of God because of your rebellion or because of your spirit or attitude or choices, then tonight you ought to thank God that your heavenly father cares enough about you to get hold of your attention. And he's working to get your attention so that you don't make a, a bigger mess of your life. I mean, really, at this point, David had a choice either to, to just just to, to go into bitterness and deeper regret and deeper depression and give up. I mean, all kinds of other options he could have. He could have went to the witch of indoor but he didn't I just wonder what it was like as they made their way down towards Ziklag were they silent were they wiping their, fore, uh, their, their forehead there and saying man God got us out of that one I don't know how that was a close one that was a close one. Were they relieved? I believe it is safe to say this. I think they went back down to Ziglag at least looking forward to seeing their wife and kids. They said, man, I can't wait till I get home. Three-day journey, marching south. Tired, weary, worn, emotionally drained. I imagine that somebody's heart was smote with fear, maybe like yours has been. When they looked out on the horizon, they saw some smoke in the distance. Huh? They saw some smoke in the distance and they said, man, you know, that's, that's kind of the direction of Ziklag. Every time we go home and we see a, a car accident, my first thought is, oh man, I hope that's not a member of Southwest Baptist Church. You with me? I hope it's not a student. Hope, hope that's not, you know, I mean, anybody it is, I mean, we ought to be concerned about them, but you, you get what I'm saying, right? Somebody saw that smoke. Hey, David, you, you see that? Yeah. yeah, I see it. I believe right then some fear started gripping some hearts. Maybe they picked up their pace a bit. Maybe even some of the men began to run. I, I don't know exactly what it's like. The Bible doesn't give us all those details, but, but they no doubt they were trying to, to get home as quick as they could. And they came into that area of Ziklag and, 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 and it was, it was burned with fire down to the ground. And I, I can just imagine those 600 men, I can see some of them going to, to the vicinity where their tent was and it's, it's on the ground now and they're burning. They're trying to go through some of those ashes and trying to find something and to figure out what in the world happened here. And the Bible says they lifted up their voice and they wept. They, they, they screamed with, with pain and hurt and, and disappointment. And they wept and they wept until they had no more power to weep because sin takes so much from you. Young people, it might do you good to be in the office sometimes when I've met with some people that 
are trying to come back from where some of you might be headed. See the pain, to see the tears. Some of you know what it's like. You've been there either on one side or another. To have somebody call you to, to meet with somebody and just tears begin to flow and they can't hardly even get it out. Are you listening to me tonight? That's what sin will do to you. That's what waywardness will do to you. It's not a little game that we're playing here. We're not going through a bunch of little motions just to have another service and get through another service and have a nice little sermon. No, 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 friend, listen. Here it is. This is real life stuff. And you're making decisions that affect your life and other people's lives. And, and listen, it'd be good for you to really get hold of God and get yourself submitted back to God before you make a big old mess before it goes up in smoke. David was in distress he was in a confining place in a difficult spot and, and David's men were so bitter, so mad at him. And, and you know, here's, here's what I've learned. Sometimes hurting people hurt. Listen to me. Hurting people hurt. They were grieved. The word grieved there is Mara. You know Mara? Remember Naomi? said, call me no more Naomi, which means pleasant, but call me Mara, which means bitter. They were bitter of soul. By the way, while we're at it, bitterness makes you make some decisions, say some things that you'd regret later. These men, thank God, these men would go on to be the mighty men of David. But right now they're ready to stone David. Because your choice led us to this, David. I don't know, they were grieving over their daughters and their sons and, and their wives and the loss that was there. Hurting people hurt. I just wonder what David did right there. I've got in my mind he slipped off to the side somewhere. I just imagine that the shepherd of Israel just went out in the wilderness, got away. He had nowhere else to turn. He couldn't turn to Saul. Because of the circumstances, he couldn't turn to his good friend, Jonathan. He couldn't turn to the people of Judea. He couldn't turn back to the Philistines. He had nobody. And by the way, I love it. I love that David doesn't blame a bunch of people. I'm, I'm glad David didn't get bitter right here and say, well, if Saul hadn't treated me this way, and if this group of people, the Ziphites, if they hadn't treated me, my own countrymen, if they hadn't turned their backs on me, no, David didn't do that. David didn't start blaming everybody. And that's why we see a different outcome in David's life. Do you realize that it's just a few months that he'll be the king of Israel? When he got to the place that the only one he had was the Lord. He was enough. The Bible tells us that David encouraged himself in the Lord. It literally means this. He made himself strong in the Lord. He strengthened himself in the Lord. He, can I say, maybe say it even this way? He found his strength in the Lord. I can't prove that he went out to the wilderness, but I just have to think, maybe, maybe it, like, it took him back to when he was a teenager. When he wasn't the one that was so well known, but he was in a place where he's alone with God. You know what, I tell you, 
Life will have a way of bringing you back to where you know God's the only one that really can help you right here. That's why right now as teenagers and young people, you need to have a time with God because when you're 30-something, there's going to be a time when you desperately need Him. You can't see it all right now, but it's coming. Maybe because of some of your own decisions. I'm so glad tonight that God, God strengthened David. He found his strength in the Lord. And here's what he did. When David came to a place where his, his plans went up in smoke or his plans came to a complete failure, when he came to that place, he got his strength. He drew his strength from the Lord. And watch this, please. You got to catch this. He gave his life back over to God. How did he do that? Well, we're not going to take time to read all the verses, but if you read on down in verse long about verse seven, eight, and nine, he turns to Abiathar, the priest, because, hey, listen, when, when you're trying to get back with God, you can turn to God's people. He turns back to God's people, he turns to Abiathar, and he says, would you bring the ephod? Remember the ephod? Is everybody still with me right here? He said, bring the ephod. The ephod had the, uh, the Urim and the Thummim, which, which was a, a God-ordained way of seeking God. He'd already used this. I'm dealing with this because when it says he encouraged himself in the Lord, you might wonder, how do I do that? Then go back to what God taught you. We would say it this way, get back to the Bible. Get back to the Bible. That's not trite. That's not cliches. That is a God-ordained means for you to get back with God. David didn't know what to do and he got back to Abiathar and the priest and the ephod and he said, shall I pursue? And God said, shall pursue and you'll surely overtake them. And David found strength in that. Oh, and then he did this. Then he started going. He didn't know which direction to go. I mean, how do you find? I mean, maybe he could track, but he didn't know exactly which way to go. And his men had already been with him for about three days on a journey. And so now they're going to go to the, the valley of Bezor, I believe it is, a little bit deeper down in the text. And 200 of them are going to be so tired. They're going to say, David, we can't go anymore. And he said, well, listen, you stay here and we'll keep pursuing. 20 miles down, three days plus 20 miles. Hey, for you to get back in God's will and recover what God wants you to have, it's going to take some effort on your part. It's not like God's just going to magically do everything. No, you got to pursue. Get back in church. Be faithful in church. Be in prayer. Spend a couple hours with God somewhere. Take a hymn, hymn book. Take a journal. Get along with God. He pursued and he pursued and he wasn't critical of those that got tired. He just kept pursuing. And lo and behold, if you read the text a little bit later on, he comes across an Egyptian. Egyptian out there in the middle of nowhere. What in the world's an Egyptian doing out here? Like an Egyptian from Egypt. Come on now. What's this Egyptian doing out here? Well, he was the servant of one of the, uh, the Amalekites. And, he, and evidently his high-ranking soldier, got he, this man got sick and got weak. And so he left him there to die because the world doesn't care a thing about you. Just left him there to die. Well, I want to tell you something. That was the providential hand of God. Because now this Egyptian, David asked, well, he, he feeds him first. Actually, he feeds him pretty good. Gives him a power bar, don't you know? And so anyways, you, it's like figs and, and whatever else is there. He gives him a power bar and like he's revived, gives him something to drink. And he says, who are you? He says, I'm an Egyptian, the servant of an Amalekite. He says, where have you been? He said, we've been raiding. We went to this city and this city and we burned Ziklag. 
Well, David right there could have killed him in retaliation, but he didn't seek revenge. He was seeking God. And he said, would you lead us to them? He said, I'll do it if you won't kill me. And they agreed on it, shook on it. <laughs> okay, now you got to read the text. I'm not making this up. It's in there. Okay. And so then this Egyptian leads David and his men, his 400 men that are still pursuing, leads them and they crest this hill and they see the Amalekites. And man, they think that David and his men are nowhere near because they're way up there with the Philistines. So they're having this big old party. They're dancing and they're eating. They're having this big old feast. And David attacks them and wipes them out. Rescue, and, and about 400 of them escape on camels. But otherwise, he wipes them out, takes them out. And the Bible says, oh, it's beautiful. I forget exactly which verse it is. But it says this, that David recovered all. Every wife, every son, every daughter, he got it all back. You know, God, God, merciful heavens, God can restore even the years that the locusts eat. He got back. And he, then, then the rest of the text, I'll just go ahead and finish out the chapter and I'll mention a couple things too and we'll be done. But, but, but listen, he got back and some of those men, the 400 said, hey, they didn't go with us. They don't deserve any of the spoil. David said, they're going to get just like you get. Look at verse 23, because David says this. David says, this is that which the Lord hath given us. Is that, can you check me out there, Brother Dean? You got your Bible. Chapter, uh, whatever chapter we're in, 30 and verse 23. It's that which the Lord has given us. You know what it says? What the Lord has given us. What the Lord has given us. Chapter 27, David didn't even have God's name on his lips, but now he's talking. He's talking like the old David again. What the Lord has given us. Isn't that good? God can restore you. You say, I don't know what all he can restore. Listen, here's what you need to do. Encourage yourself in the Lord. Find your strength in him. Give your life to him. And God can lead you providentially and work this out and that out. I don't know how he's going to do it all. But he put that Egyptian right out there in the middle of the desert. He can take care of you. He knows some more Egyptians. Are you following me? And David was restored. And here in just a few weeks, really, will be the king of Judah and then eventually the king of all Israel. You know what else he did in the chapter? He sent portions to some of the people in the south that had been raided by the Amalekites and others. He sent portions to Hebron. He sent portions to Judah. He sent portions there. You know what he's doing right there? I don't think he's, I don't think he's trying to set himself up as king, but he maybe is remembering, you know, I'm going to be the king of these dear folks and I want to be a servant to them. And he's believing by faith. If I take care of them, I, I, I'll be on the right side of them. Are you following what I'm, what I'm saying right there? He's living by faith again. So what about you? But when your plans go up in smoke, get back to finding your strength in the Lord and let Him control your life. Because the only other alternative is a Saul-type ending. And that's not good. So much in our Christian lives depends on our sensitivity to God and our repentance before God. 
And I'm glad that even though David spent a year and four months clearly out of God's will, when his circumstances got to a place, would we say that he hit rock bottom? I think he's at rock bottom. And the only way he could look is up. Thank God he looked up rather than looking down like Saul did to call Samuel from the grave through the witch door. And what a difference, what a contrast between these two men's lives. I'll close with the yearbook deal. Some of those people that I saw on that yearbook got dismissed from school. But they got things right with God. And now they're starting churches. Haven't thrown a hanky, I don't think ever, but that was <laughs> worth throwing a hanky for. Pastoring, missionaries, youth pastors, God's using them because they humbled themselves and they received God's grace. They didn't bow up and give the stiff neck and God's still using them. Which one do you want to be? It's really that simple, isn't it? It's not complicated unless you make it that way. Let's stand together here tonight. <clears throat> I believe God's in the timing of all this. And I don't even know fully as to how and why. I'm not going to belabor things here to try to twist your arm in any way. It's not our intent ever. But when God speaks and you're listening and you hear and he's got your attention, the best thing you can do right there is just respond. Father, please help us have the right response. Could save somebody a lot of years of grief. Could also put someone in a place where they could be used of you. I thank you that you are the one who restores us. And when our heart is overwhelmed, you can lead us to the rock that's higher than we are. I thank you that you had mercy on David. I think about the prodigal son that we heard about last week. And when we're in a far country, really like David was, I thank you that you brought him back and you put him on the throne of Israel. It's amazing. Work in some hearts here tonight, dear God. Help us to have a soft heart towards you, not to bow our neck. Help us to be humble. In Jesus' name, amen.